Thank you for choosing Tox News, your only source to the calls coming within the house. I guess it's calls coming from within the house. Is there really a source to anything? Anyways, the date be March 26, 2021. We begin with the Pledge of Allegiance. I pledge allegiance to liberty and justice for all. Thank you for joining me, anonymous news dude. And here we are with um, Tim Pool, who I have not covered for a while. But in fact, that's for the segments coming after this, because to begin with an article, keeping up with um, moving parts more complicated than they should be. Are you kidding me? My article just disappeared. Oh, that's some smooth. That's smooth transition right there. Hmm. I got to find this article again because I, I had it loaded up. And now it's just poof. Real, real professionalism going on here. There we go. All right, so this comes from uh, Roger Sollenberger from the Daily Beast. And it says, these mega businesses are already back to bankrolling insurrectionists. Um, before we get into Tim Pool's wonderful, this is what you should know, I have something that I think you should know. And it comes from Roger Sollenberger, political reporter over at the Daily Beast. Can't give enough credit where credit is due. And it begins now. After the January 6th insurrection, more than 120 corporations swiftly vowed to suspend campaign donations to Republicans who objected to certifying the 2020 election. Quote, in the, wa in the wake of last week's violent and uh, unlawful attack on the U.S. Capitol, we feel it is important to reinforce that Pfizer PAC supports individuals who are guided by the principles that mirror Pfizer's core values, unquote, which came from an internal email read in mid-January. Quote, we have made the decision that for the next six months, Pfizer PAC will not contribute to any of the 147 members of Congress who voted against certifying the Electoral College results after the violence that we all witnessed. The email also said, after six months, we will review our decision and report back to you. Unquote. But it looks, uh, it looks like it took less than ten, uh, two months for Pfizer to break that pledge. Their PAC gave $15,000 to the National Republican Senatorial Committee, led by one of eight GOP senators who voted to decertify election results, including Rick Scott of Florida on February 23rd. In total, the Daily Beast identified five companies that appear to have gone back on their suspension of donations to GOP election objectors, AT&T, Cigna Health, Ford Motors, Pfizer, and Wells Fargo. In the weeks following the January 6th riot, more than 120 companies said, to varying degrees, they would be reevaluating their political spending, according to the data the Daily Beast aggregated from CNN and the Center for Responsive Politics. Some said they've been uh, halting all political donations. Some said they'd pause giving to any of the 147 who voted to overturn the election results for a certain time period, but all of these companies wanted to rebuke these Republicans in some small way for their role in stoking the Capitol insurrection and then still proceeding to vote for decertifying election results in the hours after the attack. 
The Daily Beast reviewed Federal Election Commission filings for all companies who made a pledge, and while none of the five companies who seem to have reversed themselves have given directly to official candidate committees, three of the companies, AT&T, Ford, and Pfizer, gave to leadership PACs belonging to members who challenged votes. Additionally, Cigna, Pfizer, and Wells Fargo gave to the NRSC, which again is controlled by Rick Scott of Florida, who voted to overturn the election. The NF the NRSC oh, another technical difficulty. Let me begin again. It just took me over to uh Instagram because there's an advertisement in the center of this piece. Uh God bless capitalism. Uh the NR SC also has discretion to spend money on any Senate candidate they want, meaning the integrity of their pledge only exists in as much as they want to claim their specific dollars didn't go toward helping one of the GOP senators, and it went to the advertisement again, who voted to decertify the Electoral College. Ah, that advertisement. I apologize. Sloppiness begets sloppiness. Anyways, federal law bars companies from giving directly to candidates, so the vast majority of corporate donations go through employee-funded political action committees. The exception in this instance is Wells Fargo, which gave to an officeholder's leadership pack via its subsidiary Clearing Services, LLC. Yes, creating shell companies to circumvent, uh, you know, election laws in order to fund your candidates. Beautiful. The, this, is not, this isn't defects in the system. This is the system. So, a Wells Fargo spokesperson confirmed that the LLC is a Wells Fargo subsidiary, while telling the Daily Beast that the Wells Fargo PAC had made no contributions to candidates or committees in 2021. Quote, We remain on a pause while we review our strategy, the spokesperson said. On January 12th, Cigna's chief human resources office, John Murabito, informed employees that the healthcare company would, quote, discontinue support of any elected official who encouraged or supported violence or otherwise hindered the peaceful transition of power. Some issues are so foundational to our core fiber that they transcend all other matters of public policy. There is never any justification for violence or destruction of the kind we saw at the U.S. Capitol, the building that is such a powerful symbol of the very democracy that makes our nation strong, unquote. But less than a month later, on February 4th, Cigna donated $15,000 to the NRSC. Later that month, the company gave $15,000 to the House counterpart, the National Republican Congressional Committee. Those donations were first reported by Judd Legum, who runs the website Popular Information. In response to the Daily Beast inquiry, a Cigna representative said they had not, quote, wavered from our commitment to disqualify elected officials that incited violence, unquote, from Cigna PAC contributions following the January 6th attack. Beginning with another quote here, our standard eliminates direct contributions to any federal or state elected official who encouraged or supported violence or otherwise hindered a peaceful transition of power on that day or who do so in the future a spokesperson said of Cigna PAC which is employee funded will continue to support organizations candidates and elected officials who will help champion more affordable predictable and simple health care including the national campaign committees of both parties unquote Ford Motors issued a press statement five days, uh, five days later after the attack, saying it would pause all donations indefinitely. Quote, events over the past year have underscored the need for a broader ongoing discussion about other relevant considerations when it comes to our employee pack. Uh, this is coming from General or uh, from Ford Motors. 
but 19, 19 days later, the pack gave $5,000 to the leadership pack for Representative Debbie Dingle. And on February 2nd, it donated $1,000 to the leadership pack belonging to uh, objector Representative Richard Hudson, one of the House Republicans who voted to overturn the election. Ford didn't respond to a request for comment. On February 15th, telecom company AT&T donated $5,000 to the House Conservatives Fund, the, the leadership pack belonging to election objector Mike Johnson, a member of the ultra-conservative House Freedom Caucus Johnson uh Johnson played a key role in the effort to overturn the election, urging House Republicans to sign onto a letter in support of a Texas amicus brief to the Supreme Court looking to sue other states for certifying their own elections. Beautiful. In a statement to the Daily Beast, an AT&T spokesperson said their employees' PACs continue to follow the policy adopted after the January 6th attack to suspend contributions to members of Congress who voted to overturn election results. The statement added that the company had, quote, been assured that none of the employee PACs' contributions will go toward the re-election of any of those members of Congress. Any future contributions to multi-candidate PACs will require such consistency with the policy suspending individual contributions unquote but leadership packs notorious for being used as personal slush funds distribute donations to other candidates from a single pool of money in 2020 johnson's pack bank bankrolled 105 of the 138 other house republicans who stood with him against the election results their argument relies on looking at johnson's donations to republicans who didn't vote to overturn the election and in effect saying that was our money while disregarding donations to the republicans who did vote to decertify and saying no that wasn't us it's an argument disregarding the f fungibility of money despite multiple requests from the daily beast at&t also would not offer evidence that johnson agreed to withhold donations from the company to republicans who objected including himself nor did this spokesperson say whether johnson explained how such segregation was possible Robert McGuire, who investigates political contributions for the government watchdog Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, called the veiled threats and subsequent donations an egregious and infuriating example of how broken our campaign finance system is. Quote, it doesn't matter if they're giving to committees who haven't held their members accountable and it will continue to give them financial support. They're still circumventing their commitments. Unquote. End of article. Thank you for joining me on uh, corporations will not keep any promises after the time period of uh, the bottom line getting hurt no longer mattering. So it was a hot, you know, hot button issue. It was time for corporations to make a stand and show that they were not on the side of the insurrectionists and that they are not a threat to the citizenry of the United States. Now that that, you know, event is slowly fading into the ethers of our memory as something vaguely happening sometime around January. Uh, companies are now free to go back to the way that they usually do, which is fund both sides to get their stuff done. Thank you for uh, joining me on that. Now, Tim Pool is going to bring us who the real enemy is, because Tim Pool is the true uh, populist of the proletariat that there ever has been. If you've been on his Twitter lately, you will know that he has been putting out inconsistent beliefs so that you can never really catch on to what he actually believes, and that way he can better support your ideological position in helping you gain better material conditions through a just and moral uh, political system that seems to be what he's up to i think maybe it's a grift i don't know but you know let's uh let's get into some tim pool segments why don't we here's one from fox news 
Glad you're back. The social media network Parler now fighting against criticism that it failed to flag threats about the deadly Capitol attack. Now, today Parler saying it alerted the FBI multiple times to violent content on its platform. They even said 50 times that before January 6th. Attorneys for So apparently Parler's trying to save its butt by saying, hey, We've got all these uh, violent content on our website, and so we're so essentially Parler's admitting to being a snitch to the FBI. Not necessarily like, you know, the FBI just going on Parler and spying on everybody, as it probably does with every other, um, you know, website or platform without the need of a warrant, and then diving deeper into someone else's specific content. But Parler admitting that they're snitches, basically. That's that's essentially what they're doing. And then somehow passing the buck to the FBI for not doing anything about all the violent content that it was on their own platform, which, you know, they're so absolutist in free speech, they did nothing about. So that's 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 awesome. Good for you, Parler. Parler. Let's let's also remember that after Parler got taken down from Amazon Cloud Services, they now go through a Russian Federation web service. So let that sink in a little bit. This absolutist free speech uh, social media platform has closer ties to Russia than probably Donald Trump does at this point. No, that's maybe not true. But, you know, they're in it like Paul Manafort at this point. Making its case in a letter to Congress on the same day the CEOs of Facebook, Twitter, and Google were grilled on Capitol Hill for the first time since that riot. And the, it brings us to this question. Did Twitter, Facebook, and Amazon destroy Parler, the fastest-growing social media outlet in America because they couldn't control it? Joining us now to discuss this and more, Tim Pool, journalist. All right, so now big tech is like the ultimate shut, like the, the ultimate censorship tool used against conservatives. And now also, too, they're the Thanos of Parler. I mean, how much more can you build these things into being Big Brother than they actually are? All they're really interested in doing is controlling our data, but they're they're equating it to this idea of an authoritarian government that quite isn't there yet. It's it's you know it's got the good foundation building blocks at this point with you know where Twitter and Facebook are at, but it's not to say that we've gone full blown Big Brother authoritarian social media state. Self-proclaimed disaffected liberal, and he's got a great podcast. Tim, what do you think? Why why was Paul taken down think, the same day the president? That's funny. So like, uh, he he introduced him as a disaffected liberal, but I know for sure that Tim Pool claims himself to be a classical liberal, and I know this because I'm a huge stan of the beanie. Everything that is beneath that beanie is just pure propaganda gold, and I'm I, I want some of it in 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 my own. I'm here to dig into the mind of the Tim Pool. No, but for real, it's funny that he's the disaffected liberal when he comes on to. Uh, Fox News to speak to the boomers, but on his own channel, he's a classical liberal, so that way you don't really understand his right-wing beliefs and how libertarian they are. Was. Parler was growing too fast. It was creating an alternate space for many conservative personalities, and the pressure was so great. Even I recognized I needed to have a profile there, so I started posting a little bit less on Twitter. I still use it. I still use other, these other platforms. I feel like most people who felt like they, that they needed to join Parler, which at a certain point required that, that you enter your social security number to join as a member, um, a lot of them joining Parler felt the need because they have right-wing leaning beliefs and Parler was basically that social media platform claiming us, uh, like in a subtle way, dog whistly way with their 
you know, free speech absolutism, that it's a safe space for conservatives. So if you felt the need to go that way, then you're probably Tim Pool, Ian Miles Chung. Uh, you know, what, what, what's his name on, on, you know, who's that Nazi that floats around Twitter? I think his name is like Sticks Hammer 666 or something like that. Um, you know, those type of people, Andy, no, those kinds of people needed to go on parlor. Um, I never felt the desire because I knew I would get the sweet snapshots from like other people's Twitters or, uh, there's a, there's a subreddit called Parlor Watch, which I know people on Parlor are aware of as well. But I, there's some juicy snaps on that, so I don't have to actually sign up for that website for anything. But the big, the, the defining factor of whether or not one of these companies will succeed is critical mass. It was very clear that finally conservatives found a platform where they were gaining that critical mass. I think these companies panicked. You take a look at where all these companies are located. They're all in similar areas in Silicon Valley. And we've seen this pattern of abuse before from these companies. These guys know each other, these VCs. I would assume most of them, most of them are friends. It happened- See, and like building the idea that the parlor people are a bunch of outsiders to the whole Silicon Valley movement, or I guess Silicon Valley billionaires. That's very funny to me because they're really not that much different. They're just they're the other side of the coin that wants to buy from conservatives who are willing to give up their money and the idea that they're being ideologically pure. And with Patreon, for instance, this is a, a subscriber platform where people who, who make podcasts or art can tell their fans to sign up and give a little bit to support their work. They banned a, a podcast. Which is funny, too, because Twitter was floating the idea that it was going to offer, like, uh, subscription fees to, like, the blue check marks to then charge their, like, followers for, like, private tweets that only they would see, which is, um, I guess that would create a safe space for a lot of big names, but that's also really dumb. That's uh, charging people for tweets, for access for people's tweets. We've gone too far in this whole streaming service. We don't need a stream of people's paid thoughts a YouTuber named Carl Benjamin. Like write a he book. He moved over to another <laughs> rival called Subscribestar. All of a sudden, they saw their financial services terminated at the exact same time different companies. It's no surprise to me. Parler actually challenged Twitter. Mm -hmm. And what you see from, from these tech companies, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, they control the space. They control the speech. Think about what's going on with this pandemic. You can't go outside. You can't go to the bars. You can't hang out with your friends. All of these rules. You're for I don't know where he's saying that because a lot of economies have reopened. I don't know where he lives where that's necessarily the truth. I know he lives on a compound, so he doesn't necessarily go to too many bars, does he? But um, yeah, for the most part, people are, have gone to a, you know, COVID kind of normal. You, you still see masks everywhere, but I don't see a lot of lockdowns going on unless the lockdown is due to a business going out of business. Forced to communicate online, but they restrict certain opinions that normal people have. It's almost like they're engineering the conversation, whether it's intentional or not. Parler right. gave a space to those other opinions, and they, they knew. Yeah, and I mean, there's like a pretty broad, you know, debate that we could definitely have over multiple sessions over like on the on the YouTube channel, Modern Debate. They could probably host a ton of different uh, debaters on just this subject alone or whether or not uh, social media platform censorship is okay. It's just really difficult too, though, when you look at like um, situations with uh, Facebook and the um, Burmese and Myanmar coup where Facebook groups like really um, weren't policed very well and organized mass killings. 
So, you know, there there is a level of, okay, we need to moderate people's speech because it can organize violent acts by people. But at the same time, if we're sitting there and eliminating, you know, this free speech here, that free speech there, that free speech there, we, we start to get a lot more loose with censorships and it becomes very normal. And then whatever might be used to end a violent act of genocide might also be used as a against a, let's say, a violent act of revolution, because it always depends on what side you're standing on, on whether or not the revolution is just or moral. So... It's a slippery slope, and it's a very uh, big debate to have, but Tim Pool engaging in it on Fox News doesn't seem very good faith to me. Just what they did. Tim, it's almost you have a choice. You could be Instagram and WhatsApp and get bought by the big guys or get destroyed by the big guys, right? Now, Donald Trump, within, uh, I think, a few weeks... Is yeah, but here's the thing, and I've, I've always argued this, is that conservatives have enough money. Like, I don't, I, conservatives are not working-class people. Most like not most conservatives but a lot of conservatives just like liberals are very rich and they support each other through their super PACs just like the article I've read um, the my pillows guy has millions of dollars to support any kind of foundational building of like I, I guess internet grassroots movements that conservatives want to do they can go to the Western Russian Federation and get you know cloud service so that they can have a website there's things that they can do to make sure that conservatives have their space to push their uh, quote-unquote ideas and opinions um and it's by supporting themselves you know you create an an ecosystem of financial conservative money to support conservative ideas you can do that there's no actual government push to silence or censor conservative voices we just went through four years of a conservative president that did not stop saying immigrants are criminals and rapists we went through an entire four years of that um so there's definitely room for conservatives to have their own space to do their own thing, but they need the idea of this oppression coming from big tech and coming from the neoliberalist authoritarians so that people can also join in their fight against the oppressors. And then once they get into power, it's all about just moving forward with all that power and putting that bitch in full throttle. Is going to be launching on another platform. Are they going to try to take that platform, whatever it turns out to be, take that down? Now, this is interesting, right? I, I honestly think they did not want to remove Trump, but it got to the point where the political pressure was too great, and then they did. Before Donald Trump joined Twitter, Twitter was losing users. They were changing their metrics. This is my understanding of what was going on. And Donald, Donald Trump, you know, I, I should say before he ran for president, once he starts running for president, he dominates the news cycle. Then people saw the Trump bump. Media companies latched onto every single tweet he had. Since Donald Trump has been off... From what I understand in a, a, a few you know documentaries about Trump is that without Twitter, I don't think he really would have had the push to go political. I think it was actually Twitter that like really got him in the idea of I can have a massive propaganda uh, propaganda machine that is super cheap and like nearly free and that allows my words to jump into people's minds almost instantaneously. And once he'd put build the wall out there and it got a bunch of likes and a bunch of like retweets and bunch of support, that's what became his his like main campaign motivation and slogan and he ran off of that he he had to keep that promise too so he built the wall and uh yeah i don't really think if twitter wasn't they're they're saying without donald trump twitter would be nothing but honestly without twitter donald trump would be uh, he probably would have lost like the other three elections that he did lose social media not in the news cycle they've still talked about the man 
but there's not enough. We're seeing the ratings drop across the board for everybody, and remarkably, seems Fox News, for the most part, has kind of just stayed where it was in terms of ratings, but CNN, MSNBC, ABC, everyone's going down. So I wonder, if Donald Trump does come back, will they feign a kind of, oh no? I think that's, you know, I don't think that's due to necessarily Donald Trump, but I do think that liberals become uh, incredibly comfortable with the idea of having a liberal in office. So I, I, I had the same sense coming from a lot of liberals when uh, Obama was in office. You know, everybody just felt like, you know, it was all hunky-dory because we have a Democrat, nothing to worry about. He cares about the LGBTQ community, you know, so... Oh, Donald Trump's back, but secretly want him to be back because his tweets, his posts means they can write all these same stories again, claim Trumpism is taking over the country and it's a big threat to everybody, try to get their ratings back up. He might be watching now. He might bring that up with Laura in a few hours tonight. Kind of interesting. He says that, you know what, the more I think of it, I like the idea of a press release. It's more elegant. Maybe I should have tweeted less. We'll never know. Tim, thanks so much. <laughs> Tim Pool. Thanks. For yeah. Um... And the thing is, though, is I'm not wishing Trump would come back because Trump being president was like a lot like having Fox News in office. Like every press conference, every time he would open his mouth or do anything, it just really felt like a news, like a Fox News segment was our president. He was handling our trade deals, our immigration policies, our domestic economic issues, our cultural issues, our race issues. I was... It was like Fox News was handling all of it, and it was it was killer. It was it was destroying the fabric of civil discourse in this country, and it's destroyed now. And so here we are, in in the ruins of what was once a great democratic nation, at some point. Um, moving on, because my my main video here is Tim Pool covering uh, Ted Cruz, and it says here Ted Cruz leads vice style hunt for smugglers and illegal immigrants. Democrats call it a stunt. And so we're going to judge it for ourselves because I found the videos. They were posted on his Twitter. Do you want to guess how long these Vice-style journalism videos are? Uh, put together, they're two minutes. Vice-style two-minute journalism. Yeah. All right. Take it away, Teddy. So it's past midnight. I'm standing on the shore of the Rio Grande. The water is right behind me. I'm down on the Texas border along with 18 senators. We made the trip to see the crisis that is playing out. We've already gone to detention facilities that are overrun. Many of them with families, small children. We saw multiple mothers who were nursing infant babies who had just crossed over and were being housed in outdoor holding pens where they were sleeping on the floor and nursing their babies. We're at the edge of the river. And what I find very fascinating here is, yes, it is bad that this is happening. Um, but this wasn't a problem that it was happening in 2018 and 2019 under Donald Trump. Like, as far as, like, the conditions for the immigrants, it has not gotten much better than what it used to be under Donald Trump. And as far as I could remember, Republicans had no problem with it. The thing that they liked most is that Donald Trump was taking as many immigrants as he could, trying them in a criminal court sending them into Mexico to await trial, or even better yet, just deporting them back to their home country. That's all conservatives want to do. And it's very funny to me that they consider uh, Biden's uh, border issue that is also a part of Trump's policies as some kind of humanitarian crisis, not because of the treatment of uh, immigrants and asylum seekers, but because they are making it in the United States. That's the humanitarian crisis. 
and I've never heard anybody use humanitarian crisis in a way to move away from assisting people. It's very weird to to hear humanitarian crisis when it means send them back to where they came from, which means a like a war torn, corrupt country. So it's that's it's you know a little double think if you if you think long enough about it. On the other side of the river is Mexico. The other side of the river we have been listening to and seeing cartel members, human traffickers, right on the other side of the river, waving flashlights, yelling and taunting Americans, taunting the border patrol. The very curious thing to me is is that, like, does he see these people over there and uh, immediately assume that they're cartel members, or do they pull up with, like, big sashes that say MS-13 on them? Because, like, it, like he said, it's midnight. It's super dark. Um, it's kind of hard to tell uh, what human beings look like specifically, like, you know, down to, you know, fine details. So that's uh, interesting. It's pretty interesting that he can just, like... I smell cartel. I smell human trafficking. I smell illegals. Because they know that under the current policy of the Biden administration, they can flood over here. They're getting paid four or $5,000 a person to smuggle them into this country. And our <laughs> It's also funny to assume that like uh, asylum seekers and a lot of Ill illegal immigrants would have that much money to uh, smuggle uh, themselves over the border. Like these would be very wealthy uh, immigrants. And uh, those aren't the kind of immigrants that we turn away if you can catch my drift. Um, that's very funny to me. And again, we're not being very clear about the policy. And I did cover this in, 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 a, in a broader episode about the immigration system, but unfortunately I was not able to upload it to my podcast platforms, but it was, it got uploaded onto YouTube, and it's called where? What is it called? Uh, the Great Flood of Immigrants is what I decided to call that episode. It's a little bit broader, deep dive into the the discussion of immigrants on the right wing echo chamber. Um, but Biden's policy does not; it's not processing uh, new applications for families. Uh, really, Biden's policy is only allowing. Uh, new applications for children and it's an unfortunate thing because then parents are forced to send their ch children with what we would call smugglers and also um what was it uh, uh or just without guardians in general so it's it's not great what's going on at the border but i am going to focus in on why it's not great in the way that ted cruz and tim pole and ben shapiro and the right-wing echo chamber talk about it our policies when they smuggle them in the Biden administration releases them, and more and more and more. Last month, 100,000 people came across the border illegally. We've got 15,000 kids in federal government custody. This is a humanitarian crisis. It's a public health crisis. The illegal. I mean, it came out just recently that like 50% of families were uh, deported last month. So the, the Biden administration is still deporting uh, a good amount of people. The 100,000 people illegally crossing the border uh, is kind of a vague number because they did come through legal ports of entry. So, you know, even if you do go through the, the, the legal channels here and are able to earn yourself a TPS status, you know, temporary protective status, 
Um, Republicans will still use the rhetoric to mark you as illegal, which is dehumanizing language for a lot of people trying to obtain temporary citizen status or even asylum here. So this is not healthy language, and it's misrepresentation of what um, is actually at threat of your national security. So immigrants who are being released, they're testing positive for COVID-19 at a seven times higher rate than the American population. And that has a lot to do with the conditions that they're dealing with at the at the at the border, at the legal ports of entry, at these detainment centers. What's also very fascinating, too, is um, uh, oh, my brain slipped on it. Um, yeah, my brain slipped on it. I had I had a very fascinating thought and then it just whisked away. Just whew. hmm. But we're also still dealing with uh, Trump's zero tolerance policy. So even though um, Biden and his administration has tried to move away from uh, criminally trying um, asylum seekers and immigrants, uh, th this this only furthers the detainment process. So it's not a good situation. I agree with Ted Cruz. It's not a good situation, but not for the reasons that he's saying and not for the solutions that he's suggesting. And it's a national security crisis. And it's time. See, saying it's a national security crisis by having immigrants come through our border when, like, I really try to keep up with the Militia Watch updates and also to that article that I read at the beginning on how big business will, you know, not support insurrectionists when it looks bad. But once it starts to become easier to supply money when people aren't looking at you with a magnifying glass, they will do that. So um, focusing in on immigrants who are probably some of the most vulnerable people to target in a uh, sociopolitical, uh, you know, situation that, that that's uh, that's I want to say it's sociopathic um because they're extremely vulnerable i'm not going to say that every single immigrant is you know going to be a law-abiding citizen some you know there's there's rapists and murderers everywhere but it, i generally do believe that at least most of the people seeking asylum or seeking for a better opportunity than their country can offer are usually in very vulnerable positions and so thinking that they're the national security threat when we have homegrown terrorist cells in our own country and not focusing on them is um, sociopathic. Time for the Biden administration to put an end to it and stop sanctioning lawless chaos on our southern border. Yeah, so that was the first video, and it's only a minute 46 seconds. Then he followed it up with this 20 seconds here. And remember, this is vice style journalism, guys. <laughs> Uh, see the see the uh, shoreline right over there. Yeah, that's Mexico, and you can see there's three smugglers right there. Like, if it was Vice, I'm pretty sure the journalist would try to go over there and, like, you know, interview the people who are crossing over the Rio Grande. I, I'm pretty sure. Standing on the Mexican side, looking at us. They've been shining their flashlights at us. They're yelling at us. Because you're, cause you're flashing your lights at them. And if they were truly scared that you were border, like the border patrol, and they were like, uh, you know, cartel or smugglers, they would get away because they're trying to smuggle in illegally. But if they're playing back and forth with the flashlights with you, I would assume that they would be like, "Hey, you sound American. Are you able to help guide us to the rest of the way to the legal port of entry?" But of course, it's Ted Cruz, and he's easily gonna go off. Fuck off, illegal. <laughs> 
Like this is this is good shit. This is good shit. This is obviously like a, a a publicity stunt, and it's pretty obvious in the same vein as Laura Boebert standing behind Congress talking about how she's going to protect your Second Amendment. This is in the same vein as that. But he went down to the Rio Grande to film people crossing over the river, uh, doing essentially the same thing. Crazy. I I can't believe how much like a country completely almost entirely made by colonial immigrants hates immigrants this much it's uh, it's uh, what a phenomenon anyways tim pool comes in with his own commentary of ted cruz's vice style hunt for smugglers and illegal immigrants in a dramatic video senator ted <laughs> cruz stood at the border of the united states and mexico <laughs> he begins it with it's in a dramatic video it's not it's him standing in like some weeds talking for a minute and 46 seconds if your heart started racing in that then you have like no value in any kind of uh i don't, I don't know pacemaking that's there's so many better documentaries than that minute and 46 seconds we got from ted cruz go near the oh rio grande and produced what appears to be some kind of vice style mini doc talking about how he <laughs> can see the smugglers right over there says, i can hear the cartel members taunt like like doing a two minute video filming some like uh, unsuspecting immigrants is is oh my goodness the way he's even like talking this up it's as if he's like a paid critic of this mini documentary that's amazing hunting us and I I gotta be honest I laughed a whole lot when I saw this now I want to be fair. I actually think it's legitimate if Ted Cruz and other Republicans want to go down to the border and show America what's happening. I just find it kind of funny that we're now like 10 years out from the vice era and we have senators producing these kinds of videos. But I got to tell you, it probably works. It is dramatic. It's enticing. It's shocking. It's scary. It's exhilarating. It's none of those things because it's two minutes long. This might be some of the most effective politicking. You have to have a, like, a real fear of immigrants to feel all those emotions in two minutes about this. That's crazy. We've seen in a long time. And I think the whole thing is silly. Democrats are apparently blasting Republicans for doing this, calling it a political stunt. But I think the whole thing is actually, I got to be honest, it's probably effective in getting that message out. Now, let's get serious. If a non-American came to me and said, Tim, can you explain to me what the Senate in your country does? Well, I could give them the straight answer. Our senators represent the states to the federal government and our representatives, they represent the people. So senators are the upper chamber of the legislative body. And then well, hold on, hold on. And they're going to say to me, but why is Ted Cruz down at the river producing this mini doc? Why are Democrats fighting performatively and not doing anything? Why has it been? That Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and other Republicans have roasted big tech CEOs on and off every other month or whatever for years and nothing has gotten done. And I will tell them, you know, honestly, I don't know. Maybe what they really do is perform for us to make it seem like they're actually doing things. And in turn, we don't actually get substantive policy change. We get Ted Cruz down at the border saying, I can hear the cartel members taunting us. I'm not trying to be mean. I do think this is important. We've long said that politics is downstream from culture. Okay, so Ted Cruz and Republicans producing a video like this, it actually- I'm pretty sure that's like a really far right saying, uh, politics is downstream from culture. I can't remember even who said that. Google, Google that phrase. I'm pretty sure it came from like a really far right person. It may be effective. I have to wonder though, if that's 
what's happening. Are we going to see Republicans actually take action at the federal level? Because it seems like for the most part, they don't really fight for anything. I know Democrats (laughs) say the opposite is true. They say Republicans are willing to take and steal and do whatever to get what they want. But I think back to the past four years and the most important issues that would have helped the Republicans, they didn't do anything about. Now, Donald Trump did take action. What do you mean? (laughs) Donald Trump did stop the surge at the border. And now we're by criminally charging all of them and forcing them to to be detained for two to four years or wait in Mexico to await trial. Like the idea of, you know, stopping the surge at the border is just not having immigrants come into our country. This is just extreme xenophobia. This is wow. Seeing one of the stupidest and weirdest but predictable things. Establishment Democrat types are acting like Joe Biden is not at fault. There's no surge at the border. And that his press conference was perfect. It's not. There is a crisis. And according to the Wall Street Journal, we are looking at the worst illegal immigrant surge we may have seen in 20 years. So I don't know if the Washington Post actually put that up, but that's funny that he's saying that while also looking at a Daily Mail article. So I don't I don't know. I'll tell you this. I don't know what Ted Cruz should be doing. Maybe this is something very important to produce commentary and culture and actually show Americans what's going on. And this may be an actually effective way to get get things done. But I I am just frustrated because for all of the performative nonsense that I've seen from politicians, including Ted Cruz, I've not seen any substantive change. And I'm not confident that this will actually do anything, though I'll say this much more important or effective, in my opinion, than yelling at Jack Dorsey or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. Let's read about what what they actually found, and then I'll why? Get- like, why is it more effective? What, like, like uh, both of them are performative to to show that like senators actually give a hoot about their their constituents, but it's not true. Like, it's it's manufactured consent into the fear of immigration. That's exactly what this video is. It barely shows you anything, and yet drives home the idea that there is a massive illegal conduct going on at our southern border, and we must do everything that we can to stop it. When in reality, all that does is attack vulnerable people looking for safe place to live. Give you the real data, because for every criticism that I can, you know, lay to the Republicans for not getting things done, I do think it's important to actually show people what's happening. And if you're not going to get it from leftist media, well, then I suppose Ted Cruz had no option but to just go and do this. Forgive me if I still think it's funny because he's like hosting a vice style documentary. Sure. Before we get started, though, my friends, head over to Tim Things. Remember, Kirchler.com. And here, with your support, Bell, let's read the story from the Daily Mail. Quote, I can hear cartel members taunting us. Ted Cruz leads group of 18 Republican senators on midnight hunt to uh, for migrants and smugglers trying to cross the Rio Grande. A midnight hunt for migrants. Like, they had to put and smugglers in there so it wouldn't sound as xenophobic. <laughs> Tell you, the Texas senator is leading one, leading one of a dueling group of lawmakers to the border on Friday to visit facilities holding migrant teens. Democratic rep Joaquin Castro of Texas is leading a group of House Democrats on their own trek. The Republican senators are in the Rio Grande Valley to draw attention to what they call President Joe Biden's border crisis. The Biden administration reportedly, repeatedly has refused to describe the situation as a crisis amid record high surges of migrants. 
The Rio Grande Valley is seeing more of the largest numbers of migrants crossing into the U.S. I do believe, I'll pause for a second for a second here, that Jen Psaki did refer to it as a crisis. Maybe it was. Look, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing that there's not a situation that's on the level of a crisis at the border. I just think it's funny that conservatives want to attribute it to Biden without like acknowledging that Trump implemented the zero tolerance policy in 2018, which has effects in 2021. That's 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 ridiculous to ignore. So by calling it Biden's border crisis ignores every policy that Trump put into in, in, in act that left uh, these asylum seekers and immigrants in those overcrowded detention centers between two to four years, depending on their uh, status. So that's that's why it's dumb to call it Biden's border crisis, because then we're just forgetting the, you know, the past three years that we had a different president wasn't intentional, but my understanding is that she did. They say Cruz posted videos on his Twitter feed showing him on the bank of the Rio Grande in the dark, surrounded by tall grass or weeds, watching what he claims were smugglers trying to get migrants across the water and into the U.S. What he claims. That's Mexico right over there. And you can see there are there, there are three smugglers right there. Cruz is heard saying standing on the Mexico side looking at us. He also said those smugglers were taunting the senators on the U.S. side. The footage is hard to see, showing grass and the dark river with few flashes of light. Cruz said those were the smugglers' flashlights. See, and it's funny that Daily Mail, like, you know, says that it's kind of hard to see what's going on in the video. And then you could also be like, well, I can't really hear them saying anything. I played it for you. You can rewind and listen to those clips as much as you'd like. Or go find them on Ted Cruz's Twitter because they're on there. Um, it's very fascinating that we're taking like everything that he said and did in this video as if it's, you know, the absolute truth matter of fact, but you know, it is all part of his claims and representation. That's, that's all we're dealing with here. So I can't necessarily buy the whole truth and nothing but the truth. When I know that this is coming for a specific political agenda built upon fear mongering and xenophobia. So I'm coming in this very skeptical and very dubious, and it's very weird to me that Tim Pool is that easily bought into it, but he must be that xenophobic and anti-immigrant to be that easily sold into this two-minute propaganda stunt. He posted another dramatic video, describing it as live footage from the banks of the Rio Grande that showed him standing on the river's edge, giving a report on what he and the Republicans saw on their midnight march. Quote, they saw three so it's people. past midnight. And I'm standing on the shore of the Rio Grande. The water is right, is right behind me down. I'm down on the Texas border, along with 18 senators. We made the trip to see the crisis that is playing out, Cruz said as he stood in the weeds on the shoreline. Dogs could be heard barking in the background as he spoke. Here's what I love about these hosted little documentaries, because I used to do a bunch of them for Vice. These, for some reason, documentary. people always start oh their God. sentence with the word so. And I, I never understood why. I thought it was a bad habit. They'll turn the camera on and go, so here I am. Why don't you say, we're here at the border. Why, why do you need to add that? What I don't know. But I highlight this because of its absurdity, because it really is like Ted Cruz is doing. I mean, he's doing journalism. Let's be real. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. Should he be in Washington writing up legislation? Maybe. Should he be voting on things? Sure. But I'm not confident that Congress is getting anything done. And if politics is downstream from culture, Ted Cruz actually going out and doing journalism, as silly as it may seem to all of us. I don't know. Maybe it's actually a good thing. They go on to say. So Tim Pool is down with the idea of, you know, Senate representatives doing less legislative work, which is specifically tied to their job and doing more propaganda work. 
That that's honestly like a, a real devolvement of our institutions. So while the far left wants to abolish most of our institutions because they've gone too corrupt to save, um, democratic socialists may not agree with this, but you know, regular socialist communists probably would agree that we have to destroy and uh, abolish these institutions in order to build more just and moral, ethical institutions. Tim Pool says, what if we just change what their job is rather than focusing on legislation and passing bills to benefit the working class or their voting constituents? What if they just made two minute documentaries that would tell people what's going on? Wouldn't that be better? No, Tim, that's terrible. That's a terrible idea. And you backing this is a terrible idea. Quote. On the other side of the river is Mexico. The other side of the river we have been listening to and seeing cartel. And to kind of like drive that point home, that's why the journalism, like journalism has been called the fourth branch of the government. We have three branches of government, the executive, the legislative, and the judicial. And the journalism is considered as an unofficial fourth branch because it checks all three of them. So if we have the legislation playing as some sort of journalist institution, um, that's uh, weird. That's really weird to because like it's so much more direct to propaganda from propaganda to legislation. It is so obvious, but I guess we're so desensitized to it by advertisements and everything else that's constantly trying to sell us an agenda that we just don't catch on to it that easily. And it's easy enough for a a news commentary journalist shill like Tim Pool to pass it off and tell the masses it's cool. Members, human traffickers right on the other side of the river, waving flashlights, yelling and taunting Americans, taunting the Border Patrol, because they know that under the current policy, the Biden administration, they can flood over here. And that's just true, man. Look, they want to roast Donald Trump over the kids in cages thing. Look, the, 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 the asylum seekers and immigrants thought that it would be a better opportunity to come here under a president who wasn't very obvious in their anti-immigrant sentiment. The thing is, though, is that Biden's policies have not changed very much from Trump's. So the, the situation hasn't changed at all. So um, let's let's stop the fear mongering and idea that Biden is opening our borders and actually start talking about the issue of a humanitarian crisis where we're forcing brown people into terrible conditions just because they're seeking a better place to live. And now that it's Joe Biden, many of these establishment Democrat types are saying it's not kids in cages. They're better facilities. They're they're migrant holding centers. The left, the progressives, still critical of Joe Biden over this. However, not nearly as at least Tim Pohl was honest with that because the progressives and far leftists are very critical about Biden's uh, immigration policies and the lack of change from the Trump era. At least he was on point with that, and I can appreciate that. But CNN and MSNBC has been doing a little bit of a cleanup job making that situation look at, like as if it is much better than Trump's era when it's really not. It's really not. There's so much work to do at the border. And it also has to deal with like destroying the xenophobia in our country. Because, again, the, the, the oncoming automation and algorithm revolution that's coming for our job market is a greater threat than any of these asylum seekers and immigrants pose critical as they should be. Recently, there's a, there, was a, there were some posts from Project Veritas. They put out exclusive photos from inside these camps. And James O'Keefe said, AOC, are you going to speak out against this? I highlighted on Twitter that AOC did, in fact, speak out against this. But yes, there was did. a good point brought up to counter this saying, where is she now? It seems performative. Under Trump, she waved her arms in the air and she screamed all day and night. Under Biden, she tweeted a couple times. And now what? 
The Democrats that are going there, in my opinion, will likely come back and be like, you know what? Joe Biden's doing a great job. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they come out and say, do better. But I'll tell you this. Donald Trump was not wrong to detain these children. And Joe Biden was not is, is not wrong to reopen these facilities to detain children. It is nightmarish. It is horrible. I understand. But the alternative is worse. I have maintained that position under Trump. I will maintain that under Biden. I'm not going to roast Biden simply because I don't like that he's a Democrat. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden. But if something makes sense and needs to be done, it needs to be done. The problem is all of these Democrats who did scream about Trump and then changed their positions, and they did, and we'll get to them. They say, Cruz blasted Biden's policies for the increase in migration. Republicans claim it was Biden's executive orders that rolled back stricter border control policies put in place by Trump that led to the surge. Quote, this is a humanitarian crisis, the Texas senator said. It's a public health crisis. The illegal immigrants who are being released, they're testing positive for COVID-19 at seven times higher than the American population. And it's a national security crisis. And it's time for the Biden administration to put an end to it and stop sanctioning lawless chaos on our southern border. Let me just tell you, there's a meme going around and they say, when you finally realize that they opened the border before our states during a pandemic, then you will notice you've been played. Something to that effect. It's, it's, it's not that they've opened the borders, but they've certainly relaxed these policies in a very strange way. At a time when our states. Yeah, like I said, and it hasn't really changed much because, you know, a lot of administrations have done this is where they allow children rather than uh, whole families. But that's that's essentially what's been the focus of the Biden administration is giving more immigration and asylum seeking status to children rather than their entire families. And I will state the statistic again. In February, the Biden administration still deported about 50 percent of families that were processed through our immigration system. So while 50 percent did make it through, 50 percent didn't is still a pretty large number going on. And is it really just and moral for it to go that way? Not 100 percent sure. Uh, there's 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 too many factors of going on of like who they're letting in and who they're not letting in. And a lot of it still has to do with the fact that a lot of um, uh, applications are being processed from the Trump era. So um, it's very likely that the ones who were passed have been detained for the past two to four years. So um, this is just incredibly heartless. I don't know how we have our discussion like this when it comes to human beings. Like, I, I can't stand the idea that we have to have this secure of borders. Like, it's like I'm such an open borders person because people should have a free flow of movement. We have open borders for commerce and goods to the point where it's so easy for, like, all of our commodities to travel over borders. But when it comes to people, we have to put them through the most rigorous, toilsome kind of arbitrary testing just to get them a place to try to survive. And we just make it as difficult as we possibly can, even though they're escaping death squads and corrupt governments it is so grotesque it is gross it's gross every time i dig deeper into the fabric of america it gets grosser and i don't hate this place but at the same time it's not making it easier for me to like it and it comes from these right-wing talking heads that constantly dehumanize humanity it's it's ugh. are shuttered a variety of them many red sites are opening back up and travel is extremely restricted particularly in the uk man they'll fine you if you try and leave your country it's strange that Joe Biden would roll back policies from Trump, would release people into the U.S. These people should be. I would love to hear the policies that he's rolled back from Trump. I would love to hear those. Quarantined. They don't do it. Something ain't right. 
They say Cruz was joined by fellow Texas Senator John Cornyn, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, Maine Senator Susan Collins, and others in his travels. The senators are scheduled to hold a press conference later Friday. Cornyn posted a photo of the group of lawmakers after their tour, writing, before we began our full day touring critical areas around the southern border, the senators I brought down to Texas wanted to thank the CBP RGV Midnight Patrol for all their hard work they are doing to keep our nation safe amidst this crisis. And the Senate Republicans official Twitter account posted photos and an update from the expedition. 1 a.m. on our southern border, 18 senators are here with Border Patrol on their night shift. We saw the massive influx of migrant crossings, countless women and children. We were heckled by cartels. This is a humanitarian crisis, and Joe Biden needs to address it immediately. We were heckled by cartels. Proof that we have a humanitarian crisis. Like, just again, ignoring the, the things that we've done in Nicaragua, Guatemala, El Salvador, all these South American states where we walked quietly with a big stick. It's just so fascinating to me that now we're, we're, we're dehumanizing the same people whose countries and lives we've ruined. It's, it's amazing. Amazing grace, you know? Beto O'Rourke, the former Democratic congressman who lives in El Paso and lost his bid to unseat Cruz, retweeted it with a mocking reply. Thank God you survived the heckling. Democrats <laughs> who have blamed the Trump administration for that was a good dunk. But like, it's also funny to me that Beto O'Rourke lost to Ted Cruz. Like who loses to Ted Cruz, Beto? You did. You're worse than Ted Cruz. <laughs> the problems of the border blasted the trip as a political stunt. Quote, in a desperate attempt to mislead the country, world renowned political clown Ted Cruz and his hapless sidekick John Cornyn are bringing their show on the road with their latest political stunt. The Democratic <laughs> National Committee said in a statement on Friday, I, I'm, I'm not here for that. I'm not I'm not I'm not here for that. Sorry. No, uh -uh. no, no. I'm here for calling like a bunch of immigrants, smugglers, criminals, rapists and illegals. I'm not here for making fun of Ted Cruz. OK, <laughs> this is my problem with the Democrats by all. <laughs> <laughs> we can dehumanize immigrants and people from the south all we want if you start talking crap and dissing my boy ted cruz i've had it up to here <laughs> means i can make fun of ted cruz for doing a vice documentary and i can say well at least he's showing some people some stuff oh and what do we get God. from kamala harris she I'm laughed dying. not an exaggeration I'm they dying. said will you visit the border and she went <laughs> what not today what is funny Somebody oh, died God. recently, a child. I'm sick of this, okay? The kids who are being... Who, who are, who yeah, are... there was children who died under Trump's watch, too. There's sexual abuse that went under Trump's watch. There was sterilization that went under during Trump's watch. Why are we pretending like these are problems now, Tim? Is it because we have a different president, Tim? Wow, this is... This can't be real. Like, how do you make money like this? It's people have to be that afraid to give money to Tim Pool. Like, this is so insane. Were detained by Joe Biden. Joe, Joe Biden is not wrong to do that. He deserves uh, the credit, in my opinion, for his administration taking these kids in because we need to make sure they are in some kind of regulated facility where they can stay safe. But the, but these Democrats that mock situation, Kamala Harris, who laughs about it, and Beto O'Rourke says, thank, thank God you survived the heckling. You think this is funny? They turn it into stupid politics.
It's because t Ted Cruz's video was stupid politics. If you think you're going to become well-informed on the border issue in a two-minute video of Ted Cruz talking at the Rio Grande River, you think you're a well-informed voter at that point, then you might be a stupid person. I'm not here for it. I'm not. I'm <laughs> sick of this. You want to criticize Ted Cruz, by all means say, Ted, we get it. There are problems we are working to solve. It is not helped by your political stunt. <laughs> That's even funnier that you have to, like, he expects people to take Ted Cruz seriously off of that two-minute two video. And they're the fools for not taking him seriously. That's funny. Tim, that is funny. I, you, you deserve me laughing at you right now. That is funny. Oh, hey, goodness. that might be a, an appropriate criticism, right? Now, I don't, I don't actually agree with that. I do think Ted Cruz... Like, I honestly want to see, like, that, that meme with the army soldiers standing over the kid and the kids mark Ted Cruz and, like, the army dude's Tim Pool and all the arrows are, like, Beto O'Rourke's comments, Kamala Harris's comments, and the DNC's comments. This is a perfect... He's just, like, taking all these arrows for Tim Ted Cruz right now, being, I love you, buddy. I won't let them hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> Cruz is providing a service by filming. He's not providing. Okay, I should just let him talk because this is dumb. This is yes. dumb. I still think it's kind of funny. But for them to come out and just mock and, and belittle, they don't care about these people. I am not convinced they do. They actually, Beto, I, I believe Beto campaigned when, when he was running for president, he campaigned in Mexico. They encourage this crisis. Um, that's pretty bold. I don't know if Beto actually did that, but if he campaigned in Mexico, that's pretty bold. But they're one of our biggest, uh, you know, trade partners and allies. So I don't know why maybe you wouldn't go there and be like, hey, I'm running for senator of Texas. You know, that's right on your border. I don't know if you guys want to know me, but I'm here for you. You know, that might show a little bit of support. Um, but I guess if you're an anti-globalist, then you would see that as a bad thing. I'm, si I'm, I'm sick of it. Yeah. It seems like when you see Ted Cruz... They may be, you know, it, it, again, maybe silly this thing they're doing, but they're taking it seriously, very seriously. Just because somebody's doing something silly and they're taking it serious doesn't mean we shouldn't make fun of them. They're doing something silly. He's doing something dumb, Tim, and you should be able to see that. And Beto O'Rourke is acting like human trafficking is some joke. The video's a joke, <laughs> Tim. There's like actual no proof in that two minute video of actual human trafficking going on. I'm sick of this, man. I really am. It is a crisis. Let me tell you, I want every single migrant who wants to come to this country to be able to do so. But there is a Legally. reason we go through a process. We don't want children dying, man. Is that funny to you, Beto? Is this funny to people, the photos that we've seen? It's not to me. So when, when Donald Trump and the yeah, but it's not serious enough for you to actually, like, you know, support asylum for them. You want to send them back to where they came from. So as long as they're not in your country, you could care less about them. You could care less about Nicaragua, El Salvador, and Guatemala falling apart. It's pretty obvious. See, and and that's, that's the nationalist framework. That's that America first agenda is where you allow your death squads and CIA to train death squads other places, other where, you know, around the world. You let that happen. But as soon as the people who come from those countries want to get the fuck out of there, you tell them not in my home, not in my picket fence. You get out of here. You go find Canada or go swim to Europe. I don't want you around in my parts. I don't care what my government did to your country. I want you off my property. That's that's wonderful. This is good politics. Administration and the CBP were picking up these kids and bringing them to these facilities. It was the right move. 
There was some kid who was who, who was found sick in the desert. And CBP brought this kid to a facility where the kid eventually died. Do you guys remember that, like, ICE actually went around uh, picking up water bottles that were left for immigrants who were making the tread because of the problem of them dying on their way of dehydration and starvation? You guys remember that? There was a, there was a video that went viral of ICE and CBP going around picking up uh, water bottles that were left for immigrants so they wouldn't die. So now, uh, you know, Tim Pool supporting the fact that they found one child and brought him to safety uh, is enough to call them heroes. But while simultaneously ignoring the fact that they eliminated uh, free water that was given to them by, uh, you know, people here that actually cared about them. So that's cool. And they blamed CBP for it. That kid would have died alone in the desert. Now we're hearing another story about another kid dying and Beto and these Democrats just mock and belittle the Republicans. Gotta own the Republicans. Yeah, but it, Tim, Ted Cruz doesn't care about those kids either. He cares that they're trying to come into our country. That's the humanitarian crisis that t Ted Cruz is trying to get you against. It's the, the movement of bodies across the border, not the bodies dying on the way. He doesn't care about that. He, he cares about people coming in. That's why he said it's a national security issue, Tim. Good on Joe Biden. Good on Joe Biden for having these facilities up and running and bringing these kids somewhere. Bad on Joe Biden for pulling back on these policies that is creating this pull factor. Again, and what policies? Please let me know what policies. The media is lying about this. The Wall Street Journal says men looking for work drive surge in illegal crossings to the U.S. border. Most of those apprehended are men in search of jobs with the pandemic easing in the U.S. and fewer opportunities at home. They say. The surge in illegal immigration across the southern U.S. border is shaking up, shaping up to be the biggest in 20 years, unlike migrant surges in 2019 and 2014. Which and it's only going to get bigger as uh, climate change uh, really starts to pull into effect. A lot of scientists have been warning that we're going to face the, the, the largest refugee crisis in history with climate change uh, taking full effect. So, you know, building all of this xenophobia before that actually happens, not good. I'm going to have to give that an Anthony Fantano, not good, you know, explosion sound effect. But yeah, this it's not good the way we're already building how we perceive immigrants and refugees. So this is this is bad. We're predominantly made up of Central American families and unaccompanied children. So far, this one is being driven by individual adults. I'd like to show you this image. We can see that right now at the beginning of 2021, there is a massive spike of single adults and some unaccompanied children. Among unaccompanied children and families, the number is actually massive. Now, under Donald Trump, we still had a surge. That's true. Trump wanted to build the wall and the surge was bigger. It really was. Back at the end of, uh, I'm sorry, mid-2019, we saw that there was a massive spike in families and single adults, but, you know, the spike of single adults wasn't that big trying to come to this country. And Donald Trump got strict and the, and, and the surge dropped. It's not the same. This, this drop off is very different from other. What? What? Yeah, I am. What? Oh, no, I'm okay. You, you want the pen? No. <laughs> oh. No, I'll smoke after. Ugh. What are you talking about? Um, today it's 
just uh, I'm just trying to focus in on how Tim Pool. Um, just focusing on how like Tim Pool kind of steers the conversation. I'm not really like I I already did a little bit of immigration coverage, but I wanted to dive deeper into like Tim Pool a little bit, just how how he how he goes. I've got him like got him in Do a few like episodes. Talk about stuff and then, like, talk about it in your video? I'm basically or... just a reactor. Oh. Yeah, essentially. Okay. Not a news commentator to the point of like reactor. I don't like news news commentators would probably like have full-fledged like articles in a specific issue to dive deep in and some of them don't really do that but with like the the right-wing talking heads that i find it's just mostly like reacting to their what they're saying because word i i think words are powerful you know they can kind of like give people thoughts or even kind of um find thoughts that they have but haven't given words to yet so i find it very interesting in the words that they choose and so that's what i go after yeah yeah thanks ash i'm almost done though all right let's finish chopping this body other years it is not a seasonal repetition now there is seasonal seasonal repetition where in the colder months where it's safer to travel they do it's it's darker so in some sense they're less likely to be seen and it's also not as hot so it's you know safer in that capacity under donald trump there were serious problems donald trump enacted policies which helped pull this crisis down under joe biden the crisis is getting worse but more importantly it's happening faster I mean, Trump's policies did de-incentivize uh, immigration and asylum seeking, mainly because he showed uh, no mercy to those seeking immigration status or refugee status. So, of course, there would be, a after the surge that we had seen in 2018, it would go down after the treatment of those immigrants, which actually hit global news because he tear-gassed a lot of them. So there's that. Um, that. That would affect, you know, how people are going to immigrate to the United States. Um, I would I would honestly want to take a poll during Trump's uh, era and ask them if they would prefer to go to Canada. Like if if they had the option during Trump's presidency, if they could just pass through the United States real quick, go to Canada, if, if a lot of them would be into that idea just because of the amount of xenophobia that was um, dug up from the grave during Trump's presidency. So what you need to understand is Donald Trump was not a saint and he was not perfect in his policies to curtail illegal immigration, but he took it seriously and he was very strict. Joe Biden was basically what he ran on. Yeah. Biden rescinded many of these 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 uh, orders or these, these, these. And again, I'm very interested in what those policies are, Tim. You keep saying that he keeps pulling back Trump's policies, but you haven't named one. These policies said they were bad. And now things are shaping up to be worse than we've seen in 20 years because the peak that is happening now is happening much earlier than it did last time around. And the peak that he's looking at is migrants detained at the border. So this isn't even people who are actually immigrating. This is just the number of detainments, which, you know, again, that, that, that doesn't mean they're coming into our country. In fact, that means they're going to our overcrowded detention centers full of COVID. And that's <laughs> what we're seeing across the board. Uh, I'd like to show you this from Chief Patrol Agent Austin Scarrow. He says over 2,240 illegal aliens have been encountered in Del Rio sector over the past three days alone. These arrests contribute to the nearly 300 percent increase in apprehensions over the last year. This in 
again, just because they apprehended doesn't necessarily mean they already like crossed our border, like the, the the line of the border, because the the wall isn't around the entire border. But it's very fascinating because apprehension could be literally just outside of our border. Um, so this this language isn't clear enough for us to make like a clear determination of what the situation exactly is at the border. Um, apprehensions could be in between detainment before entering a legal port of entry at a legal point of entry because the zero tolerance policy is still in 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 uh enforcement and also it could mean people who have crossed illegally so the apprehension numbers aren't the best numbers to go for you you, you need those numbers and then you need to contrast them with the other numbers of actual immigrants who were accepted in that same time period and also whether or not those immigrants had their uh, applications applying from two to four years ago very complicated issue that we're oversimplifying because fuck immigrants increase is far higher than the normal seasonal fluctuations we traditionally see. So here's what you will hear out here from on the left. There's no surge. Joe Biden said, truth is nothing changed. It's the winter. It happens. That's not true. ABC and NBC have reported that migrants are saying in no uncertain terms. I mean, that's weird because you can go back to that apprehension graph here. I'm going to go back a little bit. Um, there's a peak there and it's broken up by years. So it's kind of hard where exactly, because there's a giant peak of apprehensions in 2019, which I have to assume has a lot to do with the migrant caravans, which Donald Trump marked as uh, invasions, and also moved FEMA no uh, money away, uh, f saying that it was a state of emergency. So I I'm pretty sure that happened in 2019 as well. That was around the summer of 2019. So, um, yeah, that, that that obviously has a lot to do with, like, specific uh, policy changes and events going on. Of course, we're seeing a higher surge of immigrants because they did think that Biden was going to be a dramatic change from the Trump era. Unfortunately, it's really not. That Joe Biden is giving them an opportunity and now's their chance. And what we're seeing is a massive increase. Were there spikes under Trump? Yes. Did Trump solve all the problems? Of course not. But he took it seriously and he solved some of the problems. I don't think Trump nailed it. He wanted to build a big, beautiful wall from sea to shining sea. But he was criticized for apprehending unaccompanied minors and families. The left accused him of putting kids in cages. And now that Joe Biden is doing it, many of the establishment Democrat types are just giving Joe Biden a free pass. And that's true. But again, he just said that Trump did these things and then, oh, and, and then Biden is continuing them. So again, what policies did he rescind? Because I, I, for the most part, the only thing that has changed is that they're accepting new applications for children and are accepting more children than the Trump administration had. So please, with these policy rescindings that you keep claiming happened, present your work. Present it. So tell me, which is it? Was it a crisis then? Is it a crisis now? When will we take this seriously? And why is it that as soon as Joe Biden gets into office, unaccompanied minors surge? Because that wasn't happening under Trump. Adults were, though. I just I just explained why I just explained why. And it's 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 fascinating that Tim Poole is claiming to have this blank of ignorance, because if he's truly as informed and knowledgeable as he would, it would it's easy to know what's going on. And it, it's so easy that I could state it. So it's um, come on, Tim, you know, move past amateur hour because you're oversimplifying the situation so that you can fear monger and make money off of it and continue your right wing grift. That surge seemed to have been happening in 2020. Check this out. Center for American Progress. 
They reposted a story that came from the Washington Post. A lie. It says there's no migrant surge at the U.S. southern border. Here's the data. Wait, I thought the Washington Post said that we're seeing the largest surge of immigrant or illegal immigration in 20 years. And yet he's claiming that they also did this article that says there's no migrant surge. That's weird. It's a weird uh, contradiction in your own video. That's a lie. An outright lie published by the Washington Post. Now, there's a reason why I'm showing you the Center for American Progress instead of the Washington Post. It says the above excerpt was originally published in the Washington Post. Please click here to view the full article. Interesting. Here's what they say. Last week at the U.S. border with Mexico, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy declared that the recent increase in unaccompanied minors attempting to enter the U.S. was a crisis created by the presidential policies of this newest, newest, this new administration. We looked at data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection to see whether there's a crisis or even a surge, as many news outlets have characterized it. We analyzed monthly CBP data from 2012 to now and found no crisis or surge that can be attributed to the Biden administration policies. Rather, the current increase in apprehensions fits a predictable pattern of seasonal changes in undocumented immigration combined with a backlog of demand because of 2020's coronavirus border closure. Maybe. But Maybe. they said no <laughs> surge. I just showed you the graph. It's a huge spike. It's it's massive. It's going to rival May 2019 under Trump, which again, I mean, he said I could show you the graph. I, I, I have the graph right here. And unfortunately, my video doesn't work. Um, but the the yeah, the 2021 uh, graph seems to be along the same lines as 2019. It is a bit higher increase from where it began in 2019 but just because it's larger numbers doesn't mean that this isn't a seasonal a seasonal change um and the reason why i say that is likely because as situations continue to deteriorate in these uh countries where these people are migrating from it's more likely that we're going to see larger numbers of people fleeing these countries so um yeah this is uh cool good journalism good stuff under Trump, there were surges. When Donald Trump sought to end these problems with new policies, Joe Biden reversed these. And now we've heard from illegal immigrants. It's because of that they're coming. These And again, what policies has he, re has he reversed? Present your work, because the only thing he's actually done is reverse the policies on Dreamers, TPS, and work visas. And those people are already here. As far as new applications and people seeking asylum and immigration from our southern border still facing detainment for the past two to four years, none of that has changed. None of it. None of it. These all play a role. I'm not saying Joe Biden is responsible for literally every single person, but he's contributing. That's the point. Here's the updated Washington Post story. Yeah, he's contributing because he in inherited the border situation. So he has to contribute to the situation somehow because he's president now. Logic. The migrant <laughs> surge at the U.S. southern border is actually a predictable pattern. Oh, what's that? That's right. They changed the story. They changed the headline because evidence reveals the usual seasonal bump, plus some of the people who waited during the pandemic. Is that it? They're arguing that Donald Trump's policies didn't actually stop the flow of migrants. In fact, it was just the pandemic. OK, maybe. But Donald Trump shut down the southern border. He had been. Yeah, the pandemic probably contributed to it, I would say as well. Yeah, because people would not want to be detained in those harsh conditions. 
Um, I, I just do think that Trump's policies did de de incentivize pretty hard. Um, with the 2019 push, they probably were hoping that there would be some uh, sympathy and uh, compassion coming from like the you know global leaders to pressure the United States into doing the right thing. Um, but boy, were they and all of us wrong because we proceeded to tear gas and rubber bullet all the migrants coming up to the legal ports of entry. Trying to for some time. I guess he had to use COVID to do it. So, okay. But it would be ridiculous to claim that Donald Trump did not contribute to stopping the, the flow of much of these, these illegal immigrants. The Washington Post says the post has been updated because they changed the name. Fox News says Washington Post changes headline about no migrant surge acknowledges record flow of unaccompanied minors at border. Left wing columnist Jennifer Rubin heavily cited the analysis to scold reporters about their border coverage. They say, the initial headline of the piece from its monkey cage blog read, there's no migrant surge at the U.S. southern border. Here's the data. The headline now is the migrant surge at the U.S. southern border is actually a predictable pattern. While the piece says it was updated, it, it does not specify how. The story also included notable changes in its text, as noted by Hot Air's John Sexton. One sentence was changed from, quote, what we're seeing, seeing, in other words, isn't a surge or crisis, but a predictable seasonal shift. They changed this to, quote, what we're seeing right now is a predictable seasonal shift. The revised piece also includes a section about the number of unaccompanied minors that wasn't originally there. What is more unusual? They keep being like, oh, they don't explain it. They don't explain it. Here's a paragraph from that article. Uh, was 2019 an aberration? In the figure below, we combine data from fiscal year 2012 to fiscal year 2020 to show the cumulative total number of apprehensions for each month over these eight years. As you can see, migrants start coming when winter ends and the weather gets a bit warmer. We see a regular increase, not just from January to February, but from February to March, March to April, and April to May, and then a sharp drop-off as migrants stop coming to the border summer months when the desert is deadly. That means we should expect decreases from May to June and June to July. And we will see come may whether or not this fear-mongering starts to die down in the right-wing echo chamber and it seems very likely because our news cycles are just as seasonal as migration uh you know it's, it's the same we, we have seasonal news cycles just as much as we have seasonal migration usual at this moment is the increase in border crossings by unaccompanied minors which appears to be more than just a seasonal pattern oh <laughs> So it's true. Be usual at this moment is the increase in border crossings by unaccompanied minors, which appears to be more than just a seasonal pattern. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And that's because that has a specific uh, situation with the Biden administration allowing new application for children. That's not a rescinding of any of Trump's policies. It's a specific enactment of Biden's policies to incentivize for some reason uh, for people to send their children uh, rather than coming as a family. That's part of Biden's policies. And it's a little bit of a deviation from everything else we've seen, especially since the zero tolerance policy hasn't been rescinded, which criminally trials families and then separates the children from those families and then deports their family and sends the kid to a foster home so um yeah it's a unique situation in that regard to the trump era so it's true there's a crisis it is kids that has been the centerpiece of the news the entire time so the washington post actually admits there is a humanitarian crisis and it's the unaccompanied minors amazing they say the post now reads 
This poses a more distinctive challenge for the Biden administration, although although it is also possible that there will be a similar drop in crossings by minors during the summer months. It is still it still suggested there was no evidence Biden administration policies had contributed to the surge. Although in the next sentence, it acknowledges smugglers had claimed it would be easier to get into the country once Trump was out of office. However, the Biden administration created a... I don't know if smugglers would say that. I feel like everybody would have thought that, you know, before actually seeing Biden's uh, policies. I feel like everybody would have thought that. I I honestly thought it would be a lot better for immigrants, but it it hasn't changed much. So, uh, yeah. A carve-out specifically for minors and its Title 42 authority to expel migrants at the border. The new portion of the analysis also linked to another Washington Post story that says the Biden administration is facing a rush with no precedent involving children and teenaged migrants. Border officials are on pace to take in more than 17,000 minors this month, which would be a record. I am sick of the lies, man. Is he upset that 17,000 kids are going to be accepted in our country? That's a very small number compared to our overall population and compared to the total amount of people that are seeking asylum and immigration status. That's that's that, that honestly that's chicken scratch to feel like that's a national security threat. And like you honestly would have to be sold to the 14 wor- words that white supremacists recite to be worried about 17,000 migrant children. Why can't they just be honest? You know what I mean? Be honest and stand up for what you believe in. Hey, I am Tim Pool. I think that we should tax the rich. I think we should have a high progressive tax. Because- Which is funny because he also did a tweet where he said tax the rich. And then he said tax the rich and give it to Elon. Which is like, okay, tax the rich and then give it to a rich guy. What? What? I don't like George Soros and, the, and Mackenzie Bezos. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Dog whistle. If if you're not aware uh, to the internet politics, George Soros is the the Jew. He is the Jew uh, that is controlling, uh, you know, the left. He he's the one who gives protesters all their checks to show up for BLM protests. He's the Jew that controls all the leftist movements around the globe. That's amazing. What a dog whistle. And then also saying fuck Mackenzie Bezos when she hasn't like she. Wow, like not. Oh, my God, not Jeff Bezos, but his wife who divorced him. Fuck her. <laughs> and I don't like the Mercers flooding the zone to sh- to crush working class voices. Ugh. That's my opinion. I might be wrong because I'm not a genius and maybe you disagree. Hey, let's have an honest conversation about it. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people comment below and saying, Tim, you're wrong about this one. But hey, at least you're being honest about what you believe. Instead, what we get is the media lying every step of the way. My friends, I would like to present you the stupidest mind numbing bit of evidence that the media is a trash rag full of lying grifter hypocrites. I give you the Washington Post's Jennifer Rubin. Oh, she's supposed. Yeah, uh, opinion articles from any uh, news website are usually pretty garbage. So I'm going to agree with Tim Pool here, but that's funny that he's saying that because I consider his channel to be like the peak of trash garbage grifting. So let's go on. Supposed to be a conservative. Then all of a sudden she found herself defending Democrats. Why? Because she is a grifter. I love it. They're like, Tim Pool's a grifter, man. He's lying to you. It's like, okay, um. I've, I've, I've got how many videos where I talk about why I think a progressive tax is good and we need to tax the wealthy at a higher rate to stop them from flooding the zone and shutting out working class voices? That's my honest opinion. 
And See, and he throws in that little populousness in there. On top of all his nationalist, xenophobic rhetoric, he throws in that little bit for the working class to be like, I'm fighting for you, as if it's not any part of the grift. If people don't agree with it, they're free to disagree with me, and sometimes they do. Jennifer Rubin, look at this. The Washington Post. Biden excels at his first news conference. The media embarrass themselves. This is this a joke? Jennifer Rubin is now mocking her own newspaper because she's so desperate to just be the pro-Democrat darling. She's supposed to be a conservative. What are this woman's principles? How about principles lack thereof? She didn't have any. I've explained in great detail how Biden is not wrong for detaining these kids. These kids need a place to go. Otherwise, they die. And Trump wasn't wrong either. I don't like Joe Biden. Y'all know I don't like Joe Biden, but I will at least give him credit or defend him when he's doing something that needs to be done. He recently sanctioned China. Maybe it's not going to work out like we hope, but I will give respect to the Biden administration for doing something right. Instead, this is what our media apparatus is. They, they will smear Trump and lie about him every step of the way, and they will do everything to lie to protect Joe Biden. And I am sick of it. So much so, she's actually mocking the media. I absolutely love this. My friends, I'd like to give you now the glory that is Joe Biden's press conference. The Daily Mail says photos show Joe Biden, 78, relied on 14 point font prompt cards during his first press conference, including one with headshots of reporters he planned to call on, lost his train of thought at times. Here's the photo. Joe Biden is holding up a picture of reporters faces, and there are numbers next to their faces, apparently for who he is supposed to call on their names. And I wouldn't be surprised if it included some questions because he also had notes about what he was going to say. Here's another card that talks about it says the president infrastructure. The United States now ranks 13th globally. China spends three times more on infrastructure bridges. Hey, I like that. My respect to Joe Biden for focusing on infrastructure. A lot of gun rights people were angry. When are you going to talk about gun rights? And Joe Biden's like, now we're going to do infrastructure. I agree. We got an infrastructure problem. That's great. The point is, first, I will say this. I don't care that Joe Biden used notes. I really don't. A lot of people use notes. Effectively, I do. When I do these segments, I've got all of these stories pulled up so I can cite them for you. Now, it's a combination of things. It keeps my thoughts aligned. It, I have everything lined up on, uh, on my computer so that I can go through the story and talk about what I think is important. But also, it's citation. I want to make sure that you know I'm referencing something NewsGuard certified, by the way. Now, so when a president has to talk about multiple issues, especially for an hour long press conference, he's supposed to do that all off the dome. And I remember when Trump would do his and they would usually just kind of go off in the same way that your racist uncle would rant at a Thanksgiving dinner. And the, the thing the thing is, is that it's really impossible to have a president who is able to have knowledge and solutions for every social crisis that we face or any social issue like to have knowledge of every single one and a solution to every single one is nearly impossible and that's usually why they have to have advisors and different type of legislators to write up bills that are specific for the areas of politics that they're trying to um amend or alleviate so it's very weird to assume that the, like the president is supposed to be the wisest of wise men it's not gonna happen it's not it's impossible for one person to be that knowledgeable so if joe biden was actually being instructed to call on specific reporters because he's not doing the job himself i think that's worthy of criticism 
for Jennifer Rubin to come out and be like, Joe Biden excels at his first news conference. No, he didn't. It was milk toast and tepid at best and actually kind of bad. It was symbolic more than anything. It wasn't a real press conference. Joe Biden stuttered and stumbled. And there was one point where he just lost his train of thought completely and just stopped talking. It's being memed now. And then you see Joe Scarborough on MSNBC. They highlight Hannity on Fox News saying, Joe couldn't even finish his sentence. He's like, oh, what? Where am I? Where are my notes? Ah. And then Scarborough shows a moment of, of Joe Biden somewhat stuttering a little bit, but completing his thought to manipulate and to gaslight. The media in this country is lying to you. OK, I do not think Fox News get a, gets, gets a free pass on this one either, but they're not nearly as bad. Now, I'm not a big fan of Sean Hannity. I'm not a fan of the show. I don't watch it or Ingram either. I don't watch Rachel Maddow. I don't watch Chris Hayes. I do sometimes watch Tucker Carlson, but look, <laughs> although I think Tucker Carlson's probably the best guy on TV, I'm still not. Oh my God. <laughs> Which is funny because you have to connect some dots. Is that like Tucker Carlson is probably the most prominent white nationalist dog whistling news commentator on television. And on top of it, his, his lawyer successfully argued that no reasonable person would take Tucker Carlson seriously. So take that into consideration when Tim Poole says that is the only person he would watch. And it's funny to me because Tucker Carlson does the very same thing that Tim Poole does, which is throw little chicken scratch words of I'm for the working class and then proceeds to beat down immigrants who are more connected to the working class than a bunch of rich people on Wall Street. Awesome. awesome. Not the biggest fan or proponent of him, though I, I give him a six out of 10 in my opinion. I'd recommend him. I really would because he, 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 he does excel at articulating his thoughts and representing, you know, people in this country better than anyone else. Which is funny because David Duke said the same thing about him. That's funny. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, Tim Pool. Ooh, he just he took off his beanie a little bit and there's a little white nationalist under there being like, ah, get off my land. And then he put it back down. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think the other Fox News hosts are just tribal rage. And that's true for for MSNBC. There's a lot of things about Tucker Carlson I disagree with. To see a story Such like as. this, you know, <laughs> they're lying in your face. Look at this. Ruben writes, after weeks of whining, the White House press corps got its first official Biden presidential news conference on Thursday. President Biden used the event to pledge. Yeah, 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 we get it. Asked how hard he would work for his policy goals. He responded that all of my focus so far has been on COVID-19 recovery. On immigration, he made clear that crowded facilities at the southern border are not the result of policy change from his administration or the fact that migrants see him as a nice guy. He pointed out that there was a higher surge under his predecessor last spring, which certainly was not because migrants believed the former president was a nice guy. Well, I don't know exactly why there was a surge, but many thought it was because Trump was going to lock things down and that if you wanted to get in, you had to come now, now, now. We also saw many migrant caravans. People got it in their heads. If we come together, it'll work. I go on to say on, uh, on immigration, yada, yada, it happens every single solitary year, Biden noted in his lengthy response to questions about the border. He showed his skill in de-escalating issues. One message came across loud and clear. We're building back up the capacity that should have been maintained and built upon by Trump. Uh, that built upon that Trump dismantled. It's going to take time. One reporter mentioned a nine-year-old she had seen at the border and asked if Biden's messaging was contributing to the problem. No, he responded, um, uh, again, offering a detailed answer about the problems refugees face in their home countries. Prodded with the question about whether overcrowding was acceptable, he resp responded, come on, of course it was unacceptable. He said listing steps he's taking to find more beds for unaccompanied minors. 
The repeated questions on the same topic were tiresome and a poor use of precious time. When reporters, look at this, they try as they might to seem tough. The media did not succeed in knocking Biden off message. Biden spoke in great detail, blah, 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 blah. The media is finally asking questions. They got rid of some of the grandstanding nonsense reporters, not even really reporters. And now we can see these sycophantic, faux conservative, never Trump types are continuing the grift. It's all they have. They will say Joe Biden is the best, the best, the best, no matter what he does. Donald Trump is bad for a lot of reasons. He's good for some reasons. Joe Biden is bad for a lot of reasons. He's good for very few reasons. It's not hard to be honest, man. Maybe there are a lot of people who genuinely believe Biden is a saint who can do no wrong. But this woman contradicts herself. Biden is not perfect. Neither was Trump. And we can praise them when they do good jobs. But it is it is a problem. And I will say this about anybody. Mind this, my friends. Anybody who refuses to criticize someone for doing something bad, question whether or not they're being honest with you. And you will find this among the left and the right or whatever political tribe. It should not. I mean, I found it pretty hard from Tim Pool when he came out with a video on how Trump's like, you know, bullet point list of what he wants to do in his second term was enough to sell him on a Donald Trump second term. And I remember, too, before the election, how he was saying that there was going to be a landslide Trump win. So um, he's he's guilty of the 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 Trump loyalist tribalism as well. He just doesn't have to hold on to it anymore because Trump is uh, uh, not as important. Not be hard. And I tell you that but he's important enough to keep bringing him up because he's basically the new Reagan. Yes. Among the conservatives I talk to and I see on social media, it tends to be the exception, not the rule that they're sycophantic. As for the left, it tends to be the rule and not the exception. There are many people what? on the left who have no problem criticizing Biden because they never liked him. People like AOC. But now you can see people like Rubin. You see, she's full of it. She's like, oh, I don't really like, you know, support Democrats, but Trump is just so bad. Now it's, well, well, Biden can do no wrong. Then you do have the sycophantic Trump supporters. Else, well, Trump must be doing it for a reason. But I see among conservatives the honesty that Trump ain't perfect. Don't like that about Trump. I guess that one's OK. I like him more than I don't like him. I don't see that at all. I've seen a lot of a lot of conservatives, especially in the Republican Party, become demagogues to Trump. So, like, it's very, very weird because a lot of them didn't even want to actually hold him accountable for the insurrections, which I don't think Tim Pool wants to do either. So um, there is demagoguery around Trump, and it's weird that he doesn't think it's happening at all, as if, like, conservatives are always the most common sense actors here. And that's his classical liberalism playing into the right wing so that he can pretend that he's a moderate, but he's also fighting to have a Trump authoritarian dictatorship rise back to push forward nationalist policies. Amazing. I see a lot of people who say Trump is perfect and can do, can do no wrong. And I think that's nuts. Among Biden, you see a lot of these establishment types will just say Biden can do no wrong. Drop it. Now, we kind of drifted from the initial story, but the reality is the migrant crisis is getting bad. So good on the Republicans for going down and trying to highlight it. I think it's a little silly and kind of funny. And I wonder what it is they, sh they could or should be doing. They but should be focusing on algorithms and automation and what we're going to do after it takes 50% of our job market and what we're going to do with all of those immigrants and refugees and then people who are forced out into it from the working class into a useless class. We should be worried more about that than um, kicking people out of our country and making sure they can't come in while simultaneously uh, working on the health conditions and safety conditions for the people that we do detain, because that seems to be something that we can't avoid at this possible moment. But no, let's let's keep doing propaganda two minute videos that make Ted Cruz look like some kind of gonzo journalists. But if the journalists aren't going to do it, 
I suppose Ted Cruz has to. Yep. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. Yep. yep, and that's Tim Pool. And before we close out, a little bit more insight into Tim Pool is this wonderful video of him explaining how consistently inconsistent he is. I think, I think I've crafted a, a strategy that creates a paradox that cannot be countered in any reasonable capacity. Uh, I'm sure there will be attempts, but the ultimate issue is this. I tweeted, abolish the ATF. I tweeted, abolish the IRS. Which one of those, if any, are my actual opinions? I also tweeted, you know, uh, th there was a study saying that, you know, Fauci says something like COVID lockdowns. We, we, or, or they said something like, we don't know if there's ever going to be an end of the pandemic. And so then I said, okay, then release all the restrictions. There's actual opinions in there. Which one's the real one? Maybe you can come to one of my, you know, podcasts and try and figure out how I really feel about things. Do I really want to abolish the ATF? I said abolishing the police is wrong. What's my real opinion? Go ahead and figure it out, journalists. You won't be able to, which means any tweet ever used by any publication from me will be them publishing complete bunk BS because you will not be able to determine which one of my tweets is real. I... That, like, he's honestly bragging there that he has no real ideological stance. And the only way to find out his true political stance is to consume his content. So, uh, obviously, people who spend enough time watching Tim Pool's videos will get to know Tim Pool intimately. But those who just watch his Twitter accounts will find a foe, a pseudo, if you will, Tim Pool. A pseudo Tim Pool that you cannot actually say is the authentic Tim Pool. Which he just admitted to being inauthentic almost all the time. So that's cool. That's somebody who you should get your ideological positions from. That's great. That's awesome. Love it. And that has been Tox News. Um, I'll be back next week. Uh, follow me on Twitter at ToxinPod, T-O-X-N-P-O-D. Find this on YouTube, all your podcast streaming platforms. Like if you liked it. Dislike if you don't. Uh, rate, subscribe, review, comment. Yes. And then I also have a couple videos that if you didn't think I pointed out Tim Pool's uh, contradictory ideology and his, uh, you know, uh, subtle right wingism. Jose has a great video on how Tim Pool keeps his audience ignorant. And Hey, it's Vadim has a great video on how Tim Pool says the left is going insane. And I will put those videos in the description below and you can check out di uh, deeper dives into Tim Pool's psychology by uh, very intelligent leftists. So of course there's a bit of a bias, but I'm letting you know that they're there, but you can consume the content and do with it as thou wilt. And that is it. Other than that, um, check out those videos and Haram by Armin Hammer's out. So go, go listen to that. I liked it. Thanks. Let's open our borders, huh?